0: Morning everyone. How are we keeping? Doing well? Good. As Santino said, my name's Paul, I'm one of the pastors here at King's Church Hastings and it's uh, my privilege to lead the team. Um, Have we got any Australians here? What a great start to the year. You know, can you start the year any better They're not only winning the Ashes but beating the Australians, 3-1. Ah, it's absolutely wonderful. I've got a couple of jokes for you. What do you call an Australian with a hundred against his name? A bowler. bowler. Yes, very good. (laughs) And what do you call an Australian with a bottle of champagne? A waiter, that's right. Ah, this is great. As I'm trying to train my boys, it's not about the winning, it's about rubbing the Australians' faces in it when we do. Because we don't do it very often, and so it's, it's you know, really nice. If anyone you know here is of Australian sort of heritage and you want prayer at the end of the meeting, um, hard luck, we're not going to pray for you. Oh, it's wonderful. Anyway, anyway, we must get on and talk about what we're going to talk about. Next week, um, just a couple of bits of of news for you. Next week we're going to launch two more community groups. We launched three last term. We're going to launch two more this term. One of the community groups is going to focus on new people who are looking to join the church and get involved in the church and the other community group is going to focus on families um, and children and looking to gather families in from the wider community of so we're going to be launching those two next Sunday. We've got about another three or four community groups in the pipeline that we're working towards, so over the next few months we'll be launching those as well. But I wanted to let you know that on January the 25th, which is a Tuesday evening, we're going to be starting a meeting that's going to run up until Easter on a fortnightly basis called um, Central Community Group. And the idea is that everyone who isn't yet involved in a community group that's even running or one that we're looking to get off the ground, Um, everyone gathers on those Tuesday evenings and we're going to worship God, we're going to be looking at the word, we're going to be praying together, and we're going to help everyone find a community group who isn't yet in one. And so what we're going to do is we're going to ask for all small groups to stop meeting during this month. I want you to have a big party. I want you to honour and celebrate your small group leaders and your um, overseers as well because they have done a tremendous job. We're going to be looking to honour them Um, over the next few months as well. But we want you to have a really big party, finish with a bang, and then start turning up on those Tuesday evenings on a fortnightly basis or you can start gathering gathering into one of the community groups that's already meeting. If you're not certain what community groups are going on, if you go to the information desk, they can uh, give you information. I guess that's what the information desk is there for. They can give you information um, on it which is absolutely great. And the only other thing, before I dive into my preach, if you are a man here, please can you stand? There should not be that much hesitance over whether you're a man or not. Can we have the next slide up, please? In May, from the 19th to the 21st of May, at Fontwell Racecourse... We have got a few days away and it's called Movement. It's going to be a men's camp on Fontwell Racecourse and it's going to be a great time together. So if you are standing, you are invited. It's running from the Thursday evening to the Saturday afternoon. Now the retail cost of this weekend, or extended weekend, I think is £69. But we are subsidising it so it will only cost you... £49. Next week, we'll be gathering names, bring a £10 deposit and book in. It's camping, they provide all the food. The keynote speaker is from um, from Mark Driscoll's Stream of Churches, um, Acts 29, and it's going to be a great time together. It's not to be missed. So if you want to grow in God get bigger in Him, grow in leadership, encounter God, encounter some great preaching, enjoy some brilliant worship, you need to be there from the 19th to the 21st of May. If camping is not your thing, there is a hotel on site. You can find details about it. (laughs) So Kevin Burford's already booked in. Stewards, can you please hand out flyers to all those who are standing? So quick as we can, quick as we can. If you are married, talk to your wife and check, get, get, confirm you're able to go. If you're not married, you can just book in. And like I say, we'll be collecting names next Sunday, so come prepared to sign up. It will be an excellent, excellent weekend. Just as, you're a, as you get a flyer, as you take your seats, if you're a school teacher here, probably the first thing that's going through your mind is the fact that I can't go because it starts on a Thursday evening. Our generosity in this church knows no about. So what we're going to do, if you're a school teacher and you can only turn up late on a Friday afternoon, we're going to pay half of your £49 cost. So you can go for the Friday night the Saturday morning, the Saturday lunchtime, then come back with us on the Saturday afternoon. We want as many of you there as we can possibly get because we believe this weekend will change lives. Now, ladies, will you encourage your husbands to go? Think you're going to get at least two days' worth of freedom without them about. So are you going to encourage them to go? That's good. It's for basically 15s and overs, so youth as well, think about going, it'll be a great, great weekend. Anyway, I'm not speaking on any of that. Um, I want to, this morning, we're going to speak about leadership. Last time I spoke before Christmas, we picked up um, some stuff to do with church leadership and we looked at particularly the role of elders. This morning we're going to look at the role of deacons in the church. And whenever you see deacons mentioned in the New Testament, you'll also always find elders close by. It's a little bit like a left hand and a right hand working together. Both are forms of leadership. They're different. They have different functions and roles, but both are necessary for a healthy church to function. Now, if you give it any thought, you will be aware that good leadership is key in any sphere. Would you not agree? So we're going to put some photographs up of some... Very good leaders. Anyone know who that is? I think it's a waxwork of Winston Churchill. He's not a very good leader because he's a waxwork. But when he was alive, he was a very good leader. Alex Ferguson, Matt Nelson Mandela, good leader. Bad leader. Even worse leader. Leadership, leadership is very important, isn't it? Leadership has the opportunity of doing an immense amount of good but it can also do an immense amount of harm and damage. And you'll see from the different pictures up there, we already know some of them are amazing leaders who played a part in their nation or for their football team doing doing an amazing amount of good. But there are also photographs of men up there who did an amazing amount of harm and in any sphere whether it's large like over a nation or a football team or whether it's much smaller than that maybe in the workplace or in the school setting or even in the home good headship good leadership is key and it doesn't and it's exactly the same in the church good leadership is required for healthy churches to exist and so we're going to look at this morning what it takes to be a good deacon. What do deacons do? What are the qualifications for deaconship? What are the results of having deacons serving well in the church? And what on earth does that have to do with King's Church Hastings because at the moment we don't have any recognised deacons at all. And so that is the plan for our time this morning. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 it says this, To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. And we see, as I mentioned earlier, whenever deacons are mentioned, and they're only mentioned about three or four times in the New Testament, overseers or elders are also mentioned close by. And we're going to look at two particular passages in connection with deacons. One is Acts chapter 6, so if you've got your Bibles you can turn there, and the other one is 1 Timothy chapter 3, which we'll look at in a little while. So let's read this passage out of Acts. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole whole group and they chose a number of men. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word is there to instruct and guide us. Lord, we thank you that your word is there to change our hearts. Your word is there to convict, to encourage, to strengthen. Lord, I pray that your word would do its work this morning. Please enable me to communicate clearly. And I pray this morning that we'd be good hearers, that we'd be those that apply the word to our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Excellent. So the first thing we're going to look at is purpose. Why did deacons, or why did deacons exist in the New Testament? And we find from this passage in Acts chapter 6, the reason deacons were appointed is because a need arose. The church had grown to about 5,000. I mean, it actually says 5,000 men. So the church in Jerusalem could have been well over 10,000 strong by the time deacons were appointed. And they'd run into problems. People were not being well pastored. People were not being well cared for or looked after and actually it was some of the most needy segments of the church that were being overlooked. There was food and there was money and resource available and the church was distrib- distributing it to those in great need but some were being overlooked. These great anointed apostles, these 12 men that were chosen, hand-picked by Jesus and the early church wasn't quite running right. Interesting, isn't it? You know, because you can sort of sometimes not think that the early church ever got anything wrong, but actually it wasn't going so well. And what they did was, rather than apply themselves to it, they realised that there were certain things they should have been doing, so they looked to appoint seven other men who were to oversee the distribution of food. A need arose that was beyond their resources to meet directly, so they appointed other people who were gifted by God and anointed by God to fulfil that role on their behalf. Actually, if you read the passage, which we've just done, you'll notice it wasn't even the apostles who chose who these people would be. They just said, make sure they're full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Who is good then for this task? And these seven men were recommended by the church. Now we don't quite know why they did it, it doesn't say. It might be because the church was so big they didn't know the people well enough to know who the best seven would be. But... Anyway, they handed it over to them. They then laid their hands upon them, prayed for them. They were filled with the Spirit and anointed to fulfil that task of distributing of food. So, the first thing was a need arose. The second thing, it was job specific. So, we find here in Acts chapter 6 that wherever deacons operate, it's around a job or it's for a purpose. So, it isn't a job for life. The deacons served in this area because there was a need. If there had been a different need, they would have laid hands on them and appointed deacons for a different need. In actual fact, if you read the New Testament, it doesn't say very much about what deacons should do at all. All we know from the root of the word deacon is that they are to be servants. So sometimes, actually in the New Testament, this word isn't translated deacon, it's actually translated servant. So we know deacons are to serve and it is to be linked around whatever the need is that exists within the church. And so, for instance, about 18 months ago, King's Church Eastbourne appointed deacons. And they appointed them around the needs that they had and the people they had. But it will be different, or it might be different, if we were to appoint deacons here in Hastings because we may have different needs or requirements. And so it is around the purpose for which they are needed. So there is a need and it is job-specific. When the need disappears so does the deacon. Now, I don't mean that in exact, you know, that they, you know, watch it if the need disappears. Suddenly, suddenly we're about a dozen people light because they've all been raptured and they are no longer here. You know what I mean by that. It isn't a job for life, it isn't a um, title that is given that cannot be removed, it's there for purpose and it's there around a job. Now, if you've got your Bibles open, turn with me now to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at what the qualifications for being a deacon are. Last time I spoke, we touched on the first seven verses of this. Now we're going to pick up from verse 8 right the way through to verse 13. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must hold the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way their wives... Now it could be wives but that word is also translated um, women and if you're reading from the NIV and if you look in the footnote you'll see it actually says deaconesses. So in the same way women are to be worthy of respect. Not malicious talkers but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent Um, Have gained an excellent standing and a great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. In society, we're very happy to separate the public and the private. So we will give people leadership responsibility or role based maybe on their qualifications or based maybe on their charisma. Have they got the X factor? Maybe it's based on who they know. Or is it just based on they get the job done, when it all gets down to it, they perform in the role that they need to do. But we find in the Bible that the qualifications for leadership are not separated private from public, it's the private that qualifies you for public life, public ministry. If your private life is not in order, you have no qualification for serving in a public capacity. If you're not faithful with the little that God has given you, maybe in your own life with your inner man, in your inner person, is that in order? In your own finances, is that in order? In your own family, is that in order? If if that is not in order, then you, you are not qualified to serve in the public with more people, with more responsibility, with other people's spiritual lives, with other people's money. Can you see? And if you've been around for a little while, you'll know that's how it works. So if you look at the qualifications for being a deacon, you will see that they are all character. They're all about character. The first thing we find, and we're going to rattle through these fairly quickly, but the first thing we find is that they are to be worthy of respect. This is a lifestyle thing. Deacons should be someone that you admire. They should be people that you know and you admire them. If you've got children, when your children grow up, you'd like them to be like them. You know their way of life. You know that what they say with their mouths is also backed up with how they live their lives. Yet they are worthy of respect. I respect you. That's a qualification for being a deacon. The next thing we find here is they're to be sincere. If you look in other versions of the Bible, it says they're not to be double-tongued. It's to do not, if, if worthy of respect is to do with life, this is to do with speech. How they speak, how they speak, how they live, comes together. Deacons are to be people who are interested in others, who love other peoples. peoples. I'm like the meerkat, aren't I? uh... (laughs) They're to be sincerely interested in you. So deacons should be people who are interested in you and take an interest in your welfare and have a concern for you. They're not self-consumed. We live in an insincere world, don't we? Not really interested in the things of people's lives. Deacons are meant to be countercultural. Very interested in you. It says in uh, the NIV that they're not to be, is it, um, addicted to much wine? Is that right? Not, not indulging in much wine. They're not to be drunkards. They're not to use alcohol as a support system. They're not to use alcohol as a coping mechanism. I think the same would apply to drugs and the same even would apply to food as well. We find that they to be a people that find their security and their confidence in God. So not comfort drinking, not comfort eating. No, I've got my trust in my God. I'm facing difficult times. I don't turn to the bottle, I turn to God. I know the deep truths of the faith. I'm convinced of them. They're what I rely on. And therefore I can help others do the same. They're not to be people who pursue dishonest gain. They're not to be greedy. This is linked around money. There's nothing wrong in making money. Some of you are very good at it. And I want to encourage you, get better at making money. Why? So you can be generous. So you can be generous and maybe provide for those who are in great need. But if everything that you think about is trying to make a quick buck or some sort of profit pyramid scheme or something like that, you shouldn't be a deacon because you'll only draw others into trying to make money out of them. So you need to have a contentment. Actually, actually, you give away generously. You give generously to the church. You give generously to other people. You don't hold it close. But you say, "No, God has abundantly given to me. I'm going to give away as well." Then there's a great phrase in verse nine: "They must keep the the deep truths of the faith." with a clear conscience. Now this is one of the main differences between a deacon and an elder is the fact that an elder needs to be able to teach whereas a deacon just needs to be convinced of and know the deep truths of the faith. So you understand what Santino was speaking about last week, the Trinity. You understand the Trinity as much as it is revealed in Scripture. You can probably explain it to someone if they come and ask. You may not be able to teach it from the platform but you understand the deep truths of the faith. These are the things that you expect to see in a deacon. Quick hand in the air, anyone who's warm. Can we open a few do- some doors just for a bit, please? Get, get a bit of air in, that would be great, thank you. And then lastly in verse 9 it says they need to be tested. Do they fit in to the body? So it's all very well for um, me as one of the elders to pick um, people out and say, oh, maybe you would be a good deacon, but actually we need a 360 degree view when we're thinking about deacons because you see deacons as well. You see what it's like when you um, work for them or with them or as they serve you. And so, in a sense, they need to be tested. A bit like you would with elders, but maybe, even from the text, the testing that goes with deacons is after they've been appointed as well. Maybe there should be some sort of parole on it. How are they doing? And so you should be able to see the people who are serving as deacons. It should be something that is recognised. We now move on to one of the more contentious areas of this passage where it goes on and it says in verse 11, in the same way they're wives. Now I mentioned um, as we read the passage that the word wives here could also be women or deaconesses. It's not quite clear. The NIV has chosen wives in this particular verse but if you go up to 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 9 it says, I also want women to dress modestly. That same word women is the same word as wife in the original. So if you'd been reading it, if you'd been Timothy reading this that would have been the same word. Now the NIV, NIV has chosen to put that word as women in 2 verse 9 and wife or wives in 3 verse whatever it was. And so, in a sense, obviously, P- Paul was not writing to Timothy, we want wives to dress modestly, hey, but if you're not married, just dress however you want. Obviously, that's not what he was saying, no, women, dress modestly, why? Adorn yourselves with good deeds. But in the same way, it's the same word here. And as I've, uh, I've, I've done an awful lot of reading on this, it appears that basically, um, these mighty theologians that we read, would come into any one of a number of camps. There's mighty men who say this should say wives, there are mighty men who say that this should be say women, there are mighty men who say this should be um, those who serve um, deacons. And the conclusion I've uh, reached is probably it's all three. That he probably means all three in this instance. So we believe that women can serve as deacons and will serve as deacons and will do a very, very good job serving in that role. Just one thing to, to back that up, I think one, one of the things that has confirmed it for us is it says also earlier on in Timothy, it talks about, um, or here it talks about with deacons, it talks about that deacons do not need to teach and also it's not a governance role, it's a serving role and they would be two primary reasons why I would say that, that, that that's absolutely fine, we're absolutely happy with it. It is a leadership role where the whole church can fly in the giftings that God has given. Because teaching is not necessary, nor is a governmental role within the church. If any of you want to chat any more about that, feel free to chat to Matt Beanie after the meeting. <laughs> but picking up women who serve as deacons, and we we'll, are we'll take it down that line, it says that they are to be respectable as well. So they are to be respectable. If you've got daughters, you would want your daughters to grow up and be like them. They are worthy of respect. He then moves on and says, they're not to be malicious talkers. Now, I don't want to cause any controversy here, but I'm going to do my best to teach it as the scripture says. It says they're not to be malicious talkers, they're not to be gossips. Now, Mark Driscoll says, do you like how I did that? Mark Driscoll says, men have certain struggles when it comes to sin. Sex, women, that sort of stuff can be a weakness for men. But when it comes to women, he would say it can be the tongue and it can be moods. And so, what Paul is saying here is that women who serve as deacons are not to be gossips, they're not to be malicious talkers, they're to build people up in what they say their tongues need to be, as it were, well-disciplined. If you serve as a deacon, people will entrust the deepest things of their lives to you. And you need to be worthy of that trust and not tell everyone else. Whether it's a prayer request, I'm only telling you so you can pray. No. Not via Facebook email, over the phone or face to face. Deacons need to be people who are worthy of respect, not malicious talkers. And then he says in verse 11, they're to be temperate. In other words, they're not to be moody. What are we going to find today? Walking on eggshells. So when Paul's saying, We're looking for women to serve as deacons. They are not to be given to mood swings. When you serve in church leadership, obviously you have your own emotions to handle, but you also have everyone else's too. And often people's lives can be quite up and down. It's important that we're constant. It's not that we're unaffected. It's not that we don't take things home with us and we pray about it and it affects us, but we need to be temperate. We need to be temperate, not temperamental. Not walking on eggshells. And lastly in verse 11 Paul says they're to be trustworthy. Can we trust her? Again, as elders we will ask deacons to fulfil functions and roles for us and we need to know they won't only be started but they will be finished. Now we move on to a particular list for men. So, ladies here, you can sort of sigh a deep sigh of relief now. We're done on that. Men, gird yourself up. Men, if you're to serve as deacons, it says here, and you think, if, at first reading, this seems nice and simple, it says, a deacon must be the husband of but one wife. You think, hey, I don't think there's anyone here who's got more than one wife. Don't put your hand up. basically there'd be one there'd be one women woman man (laughs) you know what I mean you're to be a one woman man So that doesn't mean that you're married and you've got, oh that means I better get rid of my girlfriend we're not saying that well no we are saying that, sorry we are saying you do need to do that Do we ma- are we able to edit at all? <laughs> no, I didn't think we were. No pornography. See, a one woman man has eyes just for his wife. You need to be able to control your own body, your own emotions, your own thought life. No flirting. In Ephesians he says that we are to be, there is not to even be a hint of sexual immorality. Don't even talk about sex, I don't even want a hint of it. So if you want to serve as a deacon, one woman, man. And then it goes on, it says in Job 31, I will linger here just for a second, it says in Job 31, Job says this, I made a covenant with my eyes that I would not look at a woman lustfully. Then he goes on in Job and he says, he talks about how God will condemn wicked and evil men. He then goes on and says that God traces out every man's path he knows his coming and his going. There's a warning. Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look at a woman lustfully. Why? Because I know God judges wicked and evil men. I, if you are looking, if you're, more than a, if you're not a one-woman man, God judges evil and wickedness, that is what it is. But not only that, he traces out every man's step. He knows. He knows what you looked at. He knows how you think. He knows how you flirted. Repent and don't do it anymore. There is grace available to get this sorted out. If you want to serve as a deacon, this area of your life needs to be in order. You need to be a good husband and a good dad. If your family is in disarray, how can you be involved in leading the church? If you can't lead just a few people around the meal table, how can you lead tens, twenties, thirties or even a hundred if that is not in order, so your household needs to be in good order. The results then, we move on to the results. The results of serving well as a deacon. There are two main results. The first one is that you gain an excellent standing and great assurance in your faith in Christ Jesus. You see, deacons need to be men and women who understand the truth, but they also apply it. You see, when you understand truth and you apply it, you get a great assurance in your faith. You see, if you're just a sermon taster, probably it's never being earthed. you may not have great assurance. But if you're a doer as well as a hearer, great assurance will come. But you will also gain a great standing in the church. Men and women will see your service and there will be honour and respect for you in that. So that is a personal blessing for those who serve as deacons, but also there is a blessing for the church. In Acts 6 verse 7 it says this, So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The word of God spread. As men and women are released into service, it releases the elders to be doing more and more what they need to be doing, the word of God spread. I believe both in depth, in the uh, the quality of the individual disciples' lives, but also in breadth, more people came to know Christ. And so as people are released to serve in that way, God brings increase and God brings blessing. So what about for King's Church Hastings? What about for us? Well, I guess... If either you've read your notes so you know where I'm going, or, I don't know, even if you're just listening a little bit, I guess you know there's some implications for us, because otherwise I wouldn't have spent the last half hour talking about it. But, um, we're looking to appoint deacons and kings over the next couple of months. Having said that, the priority is to appoint elders. As many of you know, Matt Beeney, Matt and Helen, and the family are moving to Putney. And uh, Matt will be finishing with us at the end of February. He's then having a couple of months off. I think Helen and the the children will still be with us, won't they? For the next couple of months, probably, on and off. And then they'll be starting in Putney the first week of May. And so the appointment and the recognition of more elders is the priority in the medium term. But as I mentioned last time I preached, we're not going to be hasty in laying on of hands. We're going to wait to see that gifting emerge and then we're going to recognise it. And so we're looking to appoint um, deacons in the short term over the next couple of months who can assist um, us as a leadership team in carrying the pastoral weight of the church. We're looking to appoint maybe 12 pastoral leaders or deacons to assist the elders in serving the church. The role will be reviewed after 12 to 18 months. It may continue, it may not. I guess it depends a bit on the whole eldership issue and uh, how we go in appointing more elders, which, like I said, is a priority. What we want to do is maybe in March is look to recognise people, recognise uh, pastoral leaders or deacons so that you know who they are and then they will minister and serve the church and assist the elders in that. The sorts of things that they're going to be looking at doing is uh, offering pastoral advice, carrying out pastoral visits, they'll be doing some discipleship, um, pastoral support for community groups. So they will not necessarily be people who are leading community groups, that is something different. It's looking at, to carry pastoral weight. The, the sort of run in the mill pastoral stuff takes place in community groups anyway. They're there to add extra weight if it's required um, within the community groups. They'll probably be doing uh, ma- marriage prep, Um, emergency uh, response to situations that arise, maybe exploring membership interviews, um, administering the relief fund as necessary, doing all the sort of cut and thrust stuff that takes place on a daily basis in church life. And I will be working with them very closely Um, and so we'll be meeting regularly and in a sense working it out as we go along. If if we're going to function well in this coming season, we need to change how we operate. We don't have the option of just staying as we are. See, 12 months ago there were three elders. In three months, two months, there'll only be one. And so if I'm going to remain sane and uh, serve well, and if you're going to be served well, we do need to change this around. And this seems to be a good biblical solution that myself and Matt are happy with. And so that's why we're looking to make these changes. It's not going to be the case that that I I, I won't see anyone or I won't be involved in people's lives. Of course I will be and that's a desire that I've got. It's just we're we're realistic that um, the appointments or the people that would have been seeing Matt will now probably want to see myself, um, in some instances anyway, and so we just need to mix it up, and so I will be available, but in many cases I believe that the pastoral deacons will serve the church better than I would do anyway. And so seeing them will do more good. So what we want to do is we want to do what they did in Acts chapter 6, we want to ask you, we're, no, we're not going, we don't want to ask you, I am asking you to let us know who you think meets the qualifications of a deacon and would serve the church well in that role. Over the next seven days, if you're a member of the church, we invite you to drop Sue an email and it's not because Sue's making the decision, she's just collating it for me. We'd like you to send Sue an email just letting us know who you would recommend. You probably won't have a list of a dozen, you may only have two or three because in the circle that you're moving in, you just know two or three who you think yes. And it's linked around the pastoral life of the church, so it's not head of worship, or even head of youth necessarily, or head of Megamix, it's, it's pastoral life of the church. We will consider other areas later on the, on the move, but at the moment, this is the area of need we've got, so we're going to focus. We're going to keep it simple, we're going to focus on these areas. So you've got sort of, we'd invite over the next seven days for you just to let us know your thoughts. Please let us know. And it's not a vote, so I don't want any canvassing. You know, I don't want any, so- any boards up next week, vote for me. We're expecting that our thoughts as a leadership team will tie up with your thoughts as the church. That's our expectation. That they will tie up together and then as I say, sometime in March our hope is that we will recognise a number of men and women who can serve in that capacity, recognise them before you, we will lay our hands on them and then over the coming months um, we will release them to serve and minister to you and to be a great blessing to you. You may want to recommend married couples together, you may want to recommend just wives, you may want to recommend just husbands, you may want to recommend recommend single people, that is absolutely fine. Think particularly about the sphere of which you are working in. So youth, where's the youth? Are all the youth out? Oh great, youth. I want you to think about the youth group. Who would serve well in that capacity? Okay. So I want to hear from you. I know there's not many of you here, so I recognise your faces, so i know if you haven't. <laughs> but, but that's across the church as well. We'd love your thoughts. Please email your thoughts. Please don't tell me, because I forget, and please don't email me because they get lost in my inbox. It's like, it's like the TARDIS. It looks little on the outside, but what goes in never comes out again. So... Uh, Please um, email Sue. Please pray for God's blessing and grace on us as a church. I believe we've got a very exciting season in front of us. I think we've got a very exciting year. I have no idea what God's going to do with us throughout the year. We've got certain, we've got some idea and we're going to be talking more about that on the 9th of February, which is our Vision Sunday. But... but we know God has got good things and we want, we're looking for God's blessing and God's grace and His empowering by the Holy Spirit. So let's stand on our feet. Um, Let's raise our hands. Lord, we, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. You are such a good God. You are such a wonderful, wonderful God. Lord, I thank you so much for your blessings on us as a church over many years. But Lord, I am particularly grateful for your blessings on us over the last 12 months. Lord, you have been so good. Lord, you've taken in some ways our little faith and really multiplied it out in so many areas. When we think about the changes to the building, when we think of financial provision, when we think of community groups, when we think of leaders emerging, Lord, we just say thank you, thank you, thank you for your blessing and your favour. And we say, Lord, as we continue to push into all you've got for us, as we continue to make leadership decisions, as we continue to change structure and push into your purposes and plans, we pray, would you bless us? Would you do us good, I pray? I ask you, Lord God, as we all, in a sense, put down our prayerful thoughts, would it confirm me? Would it be as, as though we rise as one man to say, these are the men and women that we want to acknowledge and recognise? Lord, I ask you, Lord, that much grace and favour would be upon them. I pray much anointing. I pray, Lord, in their inner spirit, they would have an inward testimony confirming, I think this is right for me. That it wouldn't just be our recognition, but there would be something inner confirming, yes, this is right, I think this is right. An inner testimony that this is right. Oh, Lord God, would you bless us as we look to take bigger faith steps this year than we took last year. Would you bless us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Lord, we're excited about the future. We're looking to you for the future. Would you bless us? Would you prosper us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Excellent. It's been great to be with you this morning. Have a great Sunday afternoon. If you are a visitor, head for the welcome area. I look forward to sharing a cup of uh, coffee with you. And leaders, don't forget leaders meeting tonight, 6.30 in the Jubilee Room. Thanks very much and have a great week.